Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. Okay, we're going to get started. Um, I uh, am excited to see what tonight's going to bring. I actually feel like there's going to be laughter. I feel like there's going to be a lot of laughter. <laughs> um, I think there might be some tears. I think that uh, praying that there's revelation. And um, I love the fact. You're right. I, oh, <laughs> he's getting the Kleenex. Everybody needs their own box. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. I just am so excited about the ones of you that are here that are married, that are not married, um, because, you know, marriage is such a reflection of God. And so to understand God is to understand marriage. And so, anyway, so it's a really beautiful thing. Uh, It's interesting because there's a lot of marriage experience in this room already. And uh, a bit humbled at, at that. I was just thinking, so <laughs> she's already crying. We haven't even said the first prayer yet. It's okay. <laughs> hey, but you know, we cannot underestimate God, like what he does, the miracles, the miracles. I, yeah. So that part is just completely overwhelming. And Karen was saying this morning that they are uh, celebrating 39 39 years of marriage. Yeah. She might have said, and I can say this because she said it publicly, that she had to get permission to marry him because she was such a baby. <laughs> but um, pretty incredible. And then um, then I saw O and Tammy come in, and I don't even know. How long have y'all been married? 40 years. Oh, I, say, I knew they were happy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's celebrate that. Good job, Tammy. Tammy. I got gotcha. you. I hear child pride and all. She had to have permission. And y'all aren't even from the South. What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Well, but, in the uh, South, you don't have to be permission, do you? It's true. Only if it's not your cousin. <laughs> anyway, is, that's true. All right. That is that is true. <laughs> anyway. So all that to say, I'm sure that, that 39 years and 40 years, 27 years, we'll celebrate in November, um, 10 years, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we could tell you that not every year was a year full of bliss. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's a, a process of yielding to yourself and dying to yourself. And, uh, and really beginning to understand who God is. And I'm sure that we'll get into some of that tonight. And also at the same time, it is blissful. There are seasons that are completely wonderful. And, uh, and thank God for that too. You know, thank God for that. So um, I'm going to let Wade open us in prayer. And then before you, you have a worksheet. And we just decided to do a top 10 list of marriage tips, um, information. So the goal will be to go through this list and then we'll have a time for a question and answer. So if you have things that you maybe want to ask. 
<laughs> There's a test afterwards. <laughs> well, it's not called cheating when it's with your spouse because, you know, two become one, same flesh, da da da. So, <laughs> share answers. Don't be looking at Daryl's face. Right, right. That's a whole other story. So I'm just going to let Wade open, and then we'll, um, we'll take off. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all the years of experience in marriage. Father, I thank you for the model of marriage. I thank you, Lord, that as two leave their mothers and fathers and become one, Father, that you can be the twine that holds the two together. And Father, as we talk about marriage tonight, we just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move on us tonight, Father, that you would reveal in your word, in your scripture, in the experience of others, Father, how we can grow in our own relationship, Father, both to our spouse, to our spouse to come, Father, and in our relationship with you. So Lord, I ask that you would bless our time together, and I give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, just real quickly, um, we are trying to record this tonight. Um, so if you have a question and we get to the end or, or there's a comment along the way, um, if you can, we're, we've got another microphone. I think Sophie's going to help kind of facilitate that. So if you will, um, will help us there to, um, to try to talk into the microphone so we can get all, all of that recorded. Um, and we'll do our best to fill in where something might be off mic. Okay. Um, so the first one, I feel like I need to stand. The first one that I had here, um, is submission isn't slavery. Um, and we're going to start in Ephesians 5. So if you all want to open your Bibles, uh, start your app, um, whatever else that might be. And I know Sophie's going to try to get it on the screen up here behind us. Um, and I'm reading out of the NLT, so yours might look a little different. But in Ephesians 5, it's, it's a great chapter just on uh, Christian living, if you will, and Christian values. Um, but starting in verse 21, it says, and further, and you know what that means, right? It means you've already missed something. Back up and read some more, okay? It says, and further, submit one another out of reverence, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so this is, this is the first part, right? This, this is the first thread in Christian marriage is that, is that you are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ because Christ should be in the middle of your marriage, Marriage should really be a union of three parties, not two parties. Husband, wife, and Christ in the middle. Okay? So what does that mean to submit to one another? It goes on, verse 22, it says, For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, if we stop right there, right, that sounds a lot like whatever my husband says goes. But we don't stop right there, okay? Now, if you, if you back up to, um, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands. So again, Christ is in the middle of this. Let's read on. I think this will be the, the, the part that unlocks it right here. So verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives. And there's a lot in that statement right there. Because we can, we can look at what love is and how do we love our wives. And that will just be a continually unfolding story for the rest of our lives. Just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself. Even when the church didn't know who he was, didn't know the value that he brought, didn't know 
uh, didn't recognize him as the Messiah, as we were still in sin, he loved us. And so we, we, we as godly husbands should also love our wives that same way. And I'm going to apologize first because I might say some things that get me in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, when, when your wife has a bad day and she goes just a little bit crazy. <laughs> to use a term, what would Jesus do? He's not going to be one that, that holds it up in her face and say, well, don't talk to me that way. Don't, don't bring that attitude over here. Christ's going to look at them and, and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And this is how, as a husband, that we are to love our wives. And so there is, there is forgiveness, there is mercy, there is grace, there's all these things. And we can't nearly get into the depth tonight. I mean, we're just going to scratch the surface tonight. Hopefully, we'll, we'll give everyone a little bit of hunger and curiosity and stuff to dig into the word more to understand a little bit more about what the word says all this and and how to pursue that and how to live and walk that out verse 25 again it says for husbands this means to love your wives just as christ loved the church he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean so there is an obligation on the part of the husband to be the one that makes his wife holy and clean there's an obligation on the part of the husband to bring her to scripture, to highlight where she needs to grow in the faith and give her room, give her encouragement and allow her to grow into, into what God has meant her to be. Washed by the cleansing of God's word, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church. And again, if we look at that, husbands, this is a selfish motivation on your part. You want to wash your wife in the word. You want to establish her in the word. You want her to be so filled with the word that when you look at her and you interact with her, that love and grace that the word brings to our lives just oozes out of her. And so then in your future interactions, as she grows into the person that God has created her to be, that, that she just becomes more and more beautiful and your love for her grows deeper and deeper. Verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Y'all seen the impact of this? So the whole submission piece of it starts with grooming your wife, presenting her with the word, washing her in the word teaching her, loving her, showing her in the word how she can grow into this beautiful thing that can be presented faultless. It is the same love that God pours out on us as heirs of Christ, brothers and Christians who are his bride and how we are to be washed in the word, how we are to become more like him every day. And in doing so, we become washed in his righteousness. We become sanctified. And all of that dirt and filth from the world, all that struggle and stuff begins to wash off of us and we're covered with grace and mercy, love, goodness, kindness, patience, all of those things are the result of washing us in the word. And when we do that and we can have that right relationship, and that's not easy, right? 
because, uh, you know, just to be honest, guys have bad days too. I didn't know if y'all knew this or not, <laughs> right? We have bad days too, but somehow, somewhere in, in the midst of the struggle to be in the world but not of it, we have got to find the strength to get back into the word, to ground ourselves in the word, to stand on that cornerstone and foundation of the word, and also be that support for our wife in getting back to that. And I can tell you, if I'm perfectly transparent, Becky's probably more of, of, of my stability and my rock in that, because she, she just her nature is, um, <laughs> I love you. When, when we have those intense moments of fellowship, um, <laughs> in a word, um, Becky is much quicker to go, this is a sign of the enemy to get between us and cause division. And she is so much quicker on that. She has, uh, and maybe I've done a good job here too, I don't know. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, think about it. Um, but but she, is, she is much faster. Oh, thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. Um, she is much faster to go, something's not right in this atmosphere. Something stinks about this. Meanwhile, you know, I'm still, you know, kind of frustrated and aggravated, and I hadn't calmed down yet. I get there eventually, you know, but she is much faster to, to, to come. And, and just to be honest, between, between us, she will recognize that and come right to me and, and want to talk to me, and, and I'm still like, why are you here? I'm so aggravated right now. I just need a few minutes. Just let me go get on my tractor and ride around for a few minutes. I'll calm down. Um, but anyway, um, but, but that's, that, that's that one. Let me get into First um, Peter 3, because um, that, that goes along these same lines here. We'll race to see who can pull that up quicker. I got it. Sophie won. Sophie had it first. Okay. All right. First uh, Peter three, starting in verse seven, says, "In the same way." And you know what that means? That means you missed something. You need to go back and read some more. It says, "You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be, and I'm going to add a word in here, physically weaker than you are." but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. We are born into new life in the spirit. We're not born into new life in the physical. We were born into the spirit. Men by nature and physically tend to be the stronger vessel, the stronger uh, uh, gender, if you will, uh, of people. Okay? Not true in every case, but, um, but men tend to be stronger, tend to be the physical person of the house that's that's gonna you know go do the hard labor of work okay and it acknowledges that here but in your spiritual life your wife is your equal partner in life and you can go back even to genesis um i know i know i'm trying trying but let me this this will be it i'll close with this so if if you go back to genesis man was created to have dominion over the garden over eden God looked at man and said, it's not good that you do this alone. And he, and he said, I'll create for you a helpmate, an easer. And a woman was brought in to help have dominion over the garden. 
She was his equal partner because apparently he was messing things up pretty good. Just saying, that's what we do, right? Um, so, so woman is to be there along beside the man, and man is to take care of the woman as his help. And she is supposed to be an equal partner in this new life that we are born into in Christ. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Amen. All right. Number two. That's y'all. No, that's Karen. I know. <laughs> All right. The scripture is Mark 631. I went and read 651. I was like, loaves. <laughs> yeah, it's 31. All right. You must spend time alone. Um, early on in our marriage, Brian would always say, we need to go be alone. We need to be alone. And I said, no, we got kids, you know, no, no. I think Leah was 18 months before I said yes. It is very important to spend time alone because your kids are for a season. Your husband is first. Your, your husband or wife comes before kids. I didn't see that then, so I would fight him on it. No, they're just here for a season. But if if they're just there for a season and you don't feed your relationship and spend time alone, this is where the empty nest comes in. This is where people end up getting a divorce because they never even had relationship for the 18 years, 20 years that they had kids. So I say it's very important. And if you say, I don't have the money, you have the money because it's cheaper than a divorce and it's cheaper than counseling. <laughs> but let's go to scripture because this is where it lines up. Because it's just like our relationship with him. And so um, on Mark 6.31, there was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. So Jesus said to his disciples, come, let's take a break and find a scheduled place where we can rest a while. And they went together. And he went alone with, to get in relationship with his father to have a better relationship, even with his disciple. You know, we need that. So not only do we need alone time for us, we need alone time with Jesus because that's not going to that's not gonna work either. And we can never say we don't have time for Jesus or our spouse because it's just not going to work if we don't make that that time. And then I had song, Song of Songs 210. The one I love calls to me, arise, my dearest, hurry, my darling, come away with me. I have, come as, I have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out, for now is the time, my beautiful one. So he calls us into relationship with him. He wants us to have relationship. And if you think about the relationship with him like you do with your spouse, you know, if you don't pour into each other and spend time, we're irritable with each other. We're like, you don't know what I think. No, because you guys haven't spent time, you know, alone talking, saying what's on your mind, saying, you know, what's going on. And it's the same with the Father. We have to get with him in order so we have even good alone time. Because then he's going to share things with us that, and he's going to give us the grace when they're attitude and you just want to say, well, then forget it then. <laughs> so I'm like, you, you just have to have alone time with both. I totally agree um, with that as well. I think um, one of the things to remember, even as we share, is that God, 
the Trinity models relationship. And so if we look at the relationship that the Trinity has um, and we follow that, just, you know, even the part, the scripture that Wade was talking about in Ephesians 5, and it talks about Christ being submitted to the Father, that did not create this Jesus is less important than God, you know? But when we really think about the relationship there, uh, marriage should, marriage completes the image of God because you are, you have the, um, in my opinion, I can show it to you in scripture, but in my opinion, it shows the masculine nature of God, but then it also shows the feminine nature of God as well. And that can really only take place in marriage. And so it's a real beautiful thing, I think. So number three for us was um, God in the middle. Um, early on in our marriage, we were not as connected to um, a church body. We were not as connected to community. And those years were a lot harder. Uh, and you, we could always tell, I could tell, when we were not as connected to God, um, that our relationship would struggle. Even when, um, even in seasons where maybe one of us are not having our alone time with God and we're not spending time with God like we need to, then um, not pointing any fingers. <laughs> but, um, but there have been times where um, I think it's really important to encourage your spouse to spend time with God. Yes. Not in a critical, you need Jesus way, <laughs> but we do. We need Jesus. We need him. Without him, all of my yucky nature is going to want to surface. But with him, when I'm submitted to him and I'm spending time with him, then the best part of me comes forward because he is alive and active. I'm allowing God to be alive and active in my everyday existence. And, uh, and so there, I want to encourage Wade because I know he's a better husband when he's spent time with God. And, uh, and I, I want the best of him. And I want him to be the best that he can be for our family. And, uh, and so we need to encourage our spouses to be in the word and to spend time with God and to go off alone if need be. There was a, a point I was even like, if you, you know, you need to just go get a hotel room and it's just you and Jesus, you know, because sometimes when you're at home, it's just the pressure of home life and everything is looking at you and, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, now he's found that the tractor does a pretty good job. <laughs> we call that tractor therapy at our house. Um, um, but but you got, you know, you got to find your outlet, that place where you can be alone with God. And so I highly, highly encourage you to encourage your spouse to do that and to leave space for it. Yeah, there may be dishes that need to be done. There may be laundry to be folded. There may be kids to be whatever. But if if they're going after God then we need to give them space to do that. Um, and that, that will line up. So this God in the middle, Ecclesiastes 4, um, 9 through 12. Well, I, it's missing in my Bible. There it is. Okay. So this... This says uh, two are better than one because they have a good friend. Uh, I'm sorry, because they have a good reward for their labor. 
For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. So the two of us are good together because we can lift each other up when we fall, right? Then, then to not. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And I think that's so important. Um, the piece of that that I find that's so significant is that you have, if you look at a, a, a three-braided cord, it's way, that's a strong cord. Like just in design and function, that cord is stronger than a double-braided cord. And, uh, and I believe that that element is God. That element is God. That's what makes that threefold cord so strong to withstand when one falls or when the other one falls, is that if we have God in the center of our relationship and, and um, in our marriage, then, then it's going to be stronger for that. It just is. It's not saying that two cannot be strong, but they are more easily, easily overtaken without God. He is, the, to me, the fabric that holds it together. Because without him, it's just, it's too hard. We are human by nature, right? And so it is, um, a, it is a constant dying to my self-will and dying to, to my flesh. And, this, and it sounds heavy and hard, but marriage is one of those things that you have to work on mm. every day. Every day. Because if you, if you don't, then those little foxes, those little things will want to start coming in and trying to cause issue. Um, in our relationship, I'm, I'm a bit more sensitive to, I'm a bit more sensitive in general than he is, but, um, but that's the facts. But I'm a bit more sensitive to when I don't feel, and I don't know if other women, you probably would say yes, but if I don't feel connected to Wade, like if we're just walking through the house and just going about daily life and all that kind of stuff, I don't feel connected to him. I need to have conversation and I need to have time with in order for me to feel connected. And, and that can only go, home, go on for so long. Like we walk through seasons where it's just super busy. And, and at our house, it's a revolving door. And we're in and out, and we're taking care of things. But at some point, I begin to feel the, the, the disconnect there. And I'll have to say, even as simple as, can we just have a conversation for like <laughs> 10 minutes? You know, just a real conversation because I need to feel connected. I need to feel connected to you. And I think that probably happens, that need arises quicker in me than it does in Wade. Um, but I, I think we have to remember that keeping God in the center of those things keeps us as well connected. Yeah, I was just going to say there, there's a couple things that stand out in the, uh, in the scripture here. Um, and again, I'm in the NLT, but it says in verse 11, likewise, two people lying close together. And so they're, they're uh, again, the implication is here is that you're close. Um, and I think that goes along with what Becky was saying. Um, you can get busy and you can be two people living in the same household and not be connected, not be close. Um, and that's one of the things that, that you have to kind of guard yourself. And you have to, I think, as, uh, as they were saying, is you've got to take time to be alone together, to put, put aside... All of, you know, you're always going to have chores. Can I help you all out and just maybe give you a little liberty on this? The chores are not going to go away. You're always going to have stuff to do. 
But at some point, you've got to decide whether your relationship and the strain of relationship is more important than getting the dishes done, getting the sticks picked up out of the yard or, you know, raking or whatever the chore might be that feels really urgent right now. You've got to realize that, you know what, if you don't do it, it's still going to be there. <laughs> but if you don't tend to your marriage, if you don't tend to that relationship, mm-hmm. then, then you risk that getting to a place where, where, one, it's going to be difficult to recover, and then for many people, it's not there anymore. Those sticks are still going to be laying in the yard, and eventually, you know, they'll take care of themselves. You know, the animals and squirrels and decay is going to take yeah. care of it. You won't have to go pick it up. It'll just absorb back into the ground, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I've lost my place here. All right, uh, verse 12. Uh, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Um, just the implication there is that, is that from a, a natural perspective and a spiritual perspective, right? It, you can be, if you are, if you are, alone, if you're single, if you are, are not in close union with your spouse and something comes on you, whether, whether that's something at work, you know, some issue that happens, uh, you know, some uh, tragedy, if you will, that you have to face, um, if you're by yourself, that becomes so much more difficult, right? But if you've got someone who's got your back, who's going to look at you and go, hey, let's pray. I can take care of that. I can, you've dropped that, I'll go pick it up, right? Whatever, whatever that is, right? I'll hold your hand through it. You lost your spouse, your, your spouse, not your spouse. Listen, that's a whole different class. Um, but if you had a tragedy strike and, and you had a family member that you lost or something like that, your spouse is going to be your support. Because, you've, you know, you're going to go through that process of grieving. You're going to go through that process of loss. You lose your job, you know, lightning strikes, whatever the case may be, that, that becomes that hard place for you to get through. Your spouse is going to be the one that's going to be able to stand there with you and lift you up and strengthen you. And that's, you know, they're going to have your back. You know, they're going to stand back to back with you and make sure that, that you were you were covered. I'll stop. I think Brian's more sensitive to that than I am. I'll tend to get wrapped up in the chores. No, this has got to be done. Just one more thing. Just one more thing. (laughs) Always takes time for that. Yes. And it's so cool that he intertwines us with opposites in that area because if we're both the same, we'll just go on about your life, and the next thing you know, you don't even know each other. But we learned... I'll just do a little backstory. We did 16 years of hell on earth. And we're just, by the grace of God, didn't go to jail because we should have. <laughs> it, it was very rough. We did it without Jesus. And I was just like, you ain't telling me what I'm going to do. So I say 16 years of me saying no to becoming one. My dad drank and I said, ain't no man going to tell me what to do. And so it was 16 years of hell on earth, and it was hell for my children. But you don't think about that. You think, I'm doing the right thing. He's the one doing wrong. He's drinking. He's doing all this stuff. And so you're like, no, <laughs> he's not going to tell my kids what to do. But without Jesus, I don't even see how you could even possibly do it. I, I, I just don't know how you could. 
because I tried it my way. It don't work. It don't work. But we got saved just in time. I'm like, God, you are just so good. I mean, he saved me just in time because I, sw- I know I would have went to jail because of what my kids were going through and the things that happened. I know I would have handled it myself and I could be in prison. I, I mean, it, it was bad. So early on, we got saved, and I didn't realize that we would do this, but when we would get news of something really bad, because he saved us just in time, so all hell came against us when we got saved. And we would just go celebrate. We didn't have the money, but we would say, we're going to celebrate. And we would sit, and we would laugh, and we would cry, and we would laugh, and we would cry some more. And it was so healing that you just knew, then you put your trust in the Lord. He's got this. It's like today, I told the kids, we learned that God's a big God. He's a big God. If we would look at the end picture instead of our circumstances, I mean, that's just reflecting back, you know, in the moment. But I'm like, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. He, he just is. So we would just go celebrate. And I got up one morning about a month ago or something, and the Lord said it to me like three times, kill the fattened calf, kill the fattened calf. So I go to the bathroom, I'm thinking, what am I going to have to kill? You know, that means I got to kill something. You know, I'm thinking it's something bad. And I looked it up. <laughs> I was like, kill the fattened calf, which it does pertain to the prodigals. But come on, this is good. And kill the calf. We have been fast fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began. I mean, I didn't realize that we would do that. And it's like, it's celebrating that he's good, that he's going to be faithful in this, even though we couldn't see it at the time. But he, he's just good. He's faithful. Did you want to add anything on that? No, you covered that one good. I'll, I'll take the next one. I'll take the next one, I promise. <laughs> I just wanted to do a little backstory. It ain't all been good. <laughs> But I, I think that is a good point, though. I mean, really, you, I'll, I'll say one thing, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Um, but Becky said something earlier. She Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. I feel like my life's an open book. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been at this game a little while. Um, no, truthfully, though, um, one of the things that, that Becky and I are not, uh, especially good at is is taking time to celebrate. Um, in 27 years, how many times have we taken a day even to get away for our anniversary? Well, you must say a little louder. Our first uh, night trip away, well, I guess it was 20 years. We went away for the, for the first time at 20 years. But, you know, our circumstances were different. We had small children, and we had sick parents, and we didn't have parents that lived close by. We just didn't have available child care. So God knew what kind of kids to give us. He gave us really good kids. (laughs) And we would just all go out together. You know, Valentine's Day was spent dating our kids and, you know, things like that. Not that we put them before, but you just, you know, there, there are those seasons where that is what it is. And so we spent time together but our kids were there you know or you wait till they go to bed and you have a movie night together so we didn't do a lot of go out 
you know, a lot of going out, but we, you know, we would find time to spend together, especially when the kids were small. It feels like we stayed a lot, up a lot of late nights, you know, just, um, just hanging out together. But, um, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't take in, and then our last anniversary trip was 25 years. So we have not been good daters. Um, we just haven't. And, uh, and, and, and that circumstance. So now where we have the opportunity to do that more, um, there are seasons that may be months or just weeks that we're good at it. And then there are other seasons where we're not, we're just not good at it. And it's something that we have to, that we have to work on, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so, but I would encourage you that, that if you, if you haven't made a point of it and, and husbands, uh, let me charge you with this. Make a point of dating your wife. And again, we'll talk about this more later. But when you call to make the reservation, right, when you plan the date, where you're going and that kind of stuff, and, and don't get in the car and go where you want to go. Well, I don't know. But, but when you plan that and you take a little bit of, of authority and responsibility for planning that date, I promise you, unless you just go someplace you don't want to go. And you know she doesn't. Did y'all hear her? We'll talk about more more about that later, but but let me just say that 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 it, I mean, if you think about it, what what did you do when when you were dating? Right, you probably made a plan. You went and picked her up. You wanted a surprise her. All those kind of things. Do that. Do that. Um, you gotta. You gotta. You should. Not to say you're good at it. Not to say life necessarily always allows you an opportunity, but but you definitely need to definitely need to continue to date your wife and. Celebrate, celebrate even the little victories, even the little wins. Amen? Good. Vacation? I mean, we take family vacations probably more so, but um, we take family vacations, but, but we don't, like Becky and I, don't get away, um, just the two of us. Um, you know, even for dinner, um, we we end up, you know, really taking the kids with us whenever we can. Um, so when was the last time you and I just went out? Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, so our last date consisted of Becky and I going out to dinner um, because... Nate and Sophie were both working, um, and then after we went out to dinner, we we went to the ice cream shop where Sophie was working in her <laughs> ice cream. So, so that was our date. But anyway, that over the summer, I guess, was the last time that, that we had one. Um, I did. Um, if anyone wants the list, um, I'll just I'll just share this. So so obviously, part of tonight is going to be scriptural, um, and part of it is is also going to be practical. Um, and so this is one of the practical things is I put a list in my phone um, on one of the uh, community boards. Someone posted a, a, a question on there about what, what are some good restaurants in the area. And so, um, so from the you know, 90 replies or whatever that that got, I got a list of about a dozen different restaurants that we have not been to. And so I made a list. And so my, my promise is that you know, over the next 12 months, we're going to make a point of getting to every single one of those restaurants. So, um, and I'm more than happy to share that list, so. 
Okay, all right. When did that change? Sorry, let's, what, let's move on to the next one now. I was just curious. About 12 months. About. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number five. Talking about going out. Number five says sex. It's a good thing. And, uh, and <laughs> it is one of the privileges of marriage. And uh, it's also one of the gifts of marriage. So, uh, everybody okay? I don't. <laughs> you want to repeat that into the mic so we can get it on the recording. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay. All right, y'all. Here we go. So, in Scripture, the Bible actually talks about sex. Did y'all know that? So, in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, it says, Now, concerning the things which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to, uh, not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. That's not somebody else's. That's your own. That word in there is important. So... <laughs> Um, there you go. And let the husband render to his wife. I don't like this version. Y'all going to have to just chill with me because that's going to drive me nuts. So moving back over here to the Passion Translation. Let's try that one. Um, now, for my, okay. now for my response concerning the issues you've asked me to address. And this is Paul. So the church, is, has asked, the church of Corinth has asked him. They have questions about sex and marriage. And celibacy. And so um, he's writing to address that. And it says, you wrote saying, it is proper for a man to live in celibacy. Perhaps, but because of the danger of immorality, each husband should have sexual intimacy with his wife. And each wife should have sexual intimacy with her husband. A husband has the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife. And likewise, a wife to her husband. Neither the husband nor the wife have exclusive rights to their own bodies, but those rights are surrendered to the other. So don't continue to refuse your spouse those rights, except perhaps by mutual agreement for a specified time so that you can both be devoted to prayer. And then you should resume your physical pleasure so that the adversary cannot take advantage of you because of the desires of your, of your body. Um, so, so the reason that I read that is because um, there are a couple things that I find that's important in that. Um, kind of like the scripture submissive, submit has become a dirty word for women over the years. And especially has been used as a weapon in the church against women. This passage of scripture has also been used that way. As in, we have no rights as women. We, uh, you know, we give, we need to give of ourselves without any concern. But that's not exactly the way the scripture is written. 
The scripture says that my body is submitted to my husband and his body is submitted to me. And it's very interesting that even in the, um, even in the submission uh, passage of scripture that Wade read in Ephesians 5, it's often taken out of context. Here's the thing. It says in there, unless mutual agreement. See, what we have to understand that is if, if the husband is loving the wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it, Christ gave his life for the church. You don't have to worry about a wife being submissive in a situation where she's being loved like Christ loved the church. She will willingly follow you. She will willingly walk where you are leading. If you are leading her well and you are loving her well, she will submit to that. Um, but you are also, as a man, responsible for living the kind of life and loving her in the kind of way that she wants to respond to you. That's that pursuit. That pursuit when you have small children, dads, happens in the kitchen when you wash the dishes. <laughs> that pursuit... That love that she's looking for happens when you give those kids a bath and you tuck them into bed and you say, here, honey, why don't you go take a shower? And not because I want to get in your pants later, although that might just happen. <laughs> and it's a lot more likely to happen if you don't tell her that's why you want her to take a shower. <laughs> But if you just say, here, why don't you, I'm going to make you a big old glass of Dr. Pepper loaded in ice, and you just are a hot tea, and you just go in there and take a bath or relax. I'll take care of the kids. I'll read them a story. Um, and in situations where I've had an opportunity to talk to young moms, moms with small children, seven or under, ages seven or under, that is a hard season. That is a hard season for a mama. And it's going to feel like a hard season for a daddy because you're going to have to be very understanding and you're going to have to love her through that season where she feels like all she does all day long is have kids call her name and pull on her and want to sit in her lap. And then you come in all hot and bothered, right? And you want to start pulling and tugging on her as well. That's the way she feels. That's the way she feels. This is being very real, my poor daughter. But <laughs> very real. Um, and she's not, she's closed off to you. Because she really needs someone that's going to come alongside her as well and help with the other responsibilities. And if you want her to freely give of her body, then you're going to have to give in some love language. You're going to have to give in some love language. That's got to happen. I will say that those years are hard. They're hard for men because all of a sudden it, it's not intentional, but you may feel like second, a second fiddle, like the kids are getting all the attention. Well, they're not going to get all the, all the attention if you'll jump in there and you'll help her. They won't get all the attention. And you will find that your wife will be much happier to spend time, alone time, with you later in the day. Um, and so it's seasonal. I, I say this to, to mothers with children under seven, and I would say this to a couple. Don't judge the rest of your life on this sex right now in this season 
or what's happening in the bedroom during this season. Show her a little bit of grace. Just show her a little bit of grace. And when those kids are not so demanding on her time and, and needing her, she will be more available to you. This too shall pass. This season will pass. And it will get better. And, and sex is seasonal. And it changes as different phases in your life happen. And it, it just does. You know, um, sex is sometimes kind of an uncomfortable conversation, and especially in a mass group like this. But, you know, they're conversations that we need to have because, uh, because that, what is it, money and sex are two of the main issues in marriage. And, you know, um, and love is about not putting yourself, you, you decrease. Biblical love, I mean, we could let Daryl give a dissertation on what love is, right? We know, we know what love is. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Um, love is in pursuit all the time of us. And, and we can become selfish, and that's, that's not love. And I promise you, you be like, I'm telling you, men, it'll work. Let me wash the dishes. You go do something else, and I'll do the dishes. Look, uh, foreplay is not when I come up to you or you come up to her and grab her butt. That is not foreplay. Foreplay starts in the kitchen when you have young children. It just does. And... The, the wives are like, I'm not going to say a thing. I'm not going to look at him. <laughs> but I, and I know it sounds like I'm driving home at this point, but because those are hard years, you fell in love and you got married. You started having babies, and that was glorious honeymoon phase. Then babies show up, and all of a sudden you feel like you've been moved out into the camper, men. <laughs> and that's and it's not true she still loves you she's exhausted she is exhausted and so don't don't feel like that I'm not saying that that's 100% above board but if if there are issues in your relationship and you have young children in the sex area just show her some grace love on her a little extra and recognize that she knows you have needs. She knows you do. And she's carrying enough guilt about not being able to service you the way you want to be serviced. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but if you'll flip that coin and you'll service her, you'll serve her, and you'll value her, her heart and her body will open up to you. And it will be, you'll be much happier for it. Okay? Has everybody got that? Is that clear? Okay. <laughs> love unlocks the heart. And love is an action word. And there are, you know, have, have any of you read the five love languages? I couldn't remember but three of them. Um, acts of service, physical touch, and gifts. What are the other two? Quality time. And words of affirmation, yes, yes. So there are tests you can take that tell you what your love language is. Um, and I highly recommend it. They're probably free online. You can find it. What is your love language? And that's a great thing for couples to do because 
um, because it lets you know what is the love language of your of your partner. And I think that that changes over the years, actually, uh, depending upon what season of life you're in. One of, I know Wade's, he probably doesn't even realize it as much as I know it. I kind of keep it a little tucked away. But... <laughs> But I know if Wade is having a hard time or if he's having going through a hard season, I know that acts of service, which for him is not me doing something for him, but me coming along and doing something with him. And I know that that makes him feel valued. And what's that? Yeah, yes. And so I will lay down what I need to do so that at times I can go do that because I know that that's going to serve, serve him well. And I want him to feel loved and not overwhelmed. I don't know about you all, but sometimes he'll be working hard. I don't know if your husbands are like mine, but he, Wade is a hard worker. I mean, hard worker, nonstop. I wish he would rest more, honestly. I, I wish he would rest. Um, but he's just always working on something and always busy. And there are times where he just feels like he's the only one doing all the work you know, of the things that need to be done outside the house. Well, I feel like I can't do the outside and the inside. I mean, I'm just being real. Like, I, I could either do the inside or I can go outside. So you want your laundry done or do you want, you know. But there are times, like Wade said, I just have to stop. The chores never end. And so there are times where I just have to lay that down. And I know I need to go be where Wade is at. And it will return to me dividends I will get a great return on that. And not because I'm doing it out of selfish motive, but because I want him to be the best. Because when he's not feeling so overwhelmed or feeling like the, the lone soldier out there, you know, trudging away, then we connect and I'll, I can see his affection increase on me after we do that. That quickly, you know, like all I have to do is go serve with him a little bit and, and it's his love language. Now, will it always be that? I don't know. There are others, I'm sure. But, um, but that one is a, is a big deal. So um, I wrote down just a couple of the notes about, does anybody else have something they want to say about sex up here? I'm sorry, I know got, got a big mouth, but we, did, we touched on young people. Yes. I want to kind of talk a little bit about when you're married a while, and Karen's going to relate to this too, and, and something comes up, you have an illness. And sex goes to a place where intimacy is what's important. And sometimes I've watched women walk through cancer. So it's, I'm talking from a perspective. My man was sick for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And um, you just sometimes have to crawl up in bed with them when they just don't feel like being by you and just be there. Mm -hmm. Right? right. So, so, so it's... And, and two, um, my daughter-in-law's mother died of a long, ugly cancer. And I know that her husband, it was the same way. She was very ill. So you, you youngins, you know, that want to do the dishes or whatever, it's, I'm just sharing this to say what Becky said about it being seasons. Mm -hmm. And um, love is absolutely a verb. And um, intimacy is far more important than yes. procreation in the yes. long run. Yes. So. Yeah. 
No, amen. And God's faithful. Because I would get and I go, I just want him to touch me. And I'm serious. He would just go like this. I mean, he don't feel good. And he would just go like this. And that's all all I needed. So God is faithful. I, I would just say ask God whatever I needed. He said he would be there for me. So I'm like, hey. Appreciate it while you can. Yeah, and I just because wanna... if you are in seasons of sickness and you can't, like she said, you're going to have the intimacy. So you're going to have seasons, yeah. and it's just like the kids. It's but a poof. It really is, but a poof. Them years go so fast, and we can't be so. F- I don't want to say this, but we can't be so focused on our selfish needs. Because our kids are only but a poof. We can't put them before us. But they are. It is a season. And when us is not good, then this is not good. True. And I'm seeing things in my kids right now. I said, no. My sin has been paid for on the cross. And they're no longer going to walk through Amen. my sin and my penalty. Because I see it in them. And I'm like, no, in Jesus' name. I believe. I believe. No, that's just. Amen. It is. Um, the point I was going to add was, um, we we. I'm talking with guys here, ladies. You can tune out. Um, doing the dishes is not a formula for getting in the bed. Okay, doing the dishes is a way to say I love you without using words. It's a way to say, I appreciate you. When, you. when you make time for your wife to go and catch her breath, right? Now, now we, can, we can sit here, and I, I've been at work. It's been 10, 12 hours today. It's a long day. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? Especially if you have small kids, she's had two little kids. She has not had an adult conversation that day. And sometimes the best thing for her is get the kids in bed and just sit down and have a conversation. Because while it might not be the the physical hard labor all day, there is a mental strain. There is a, uh, you know, physical strain of of just doing chores during the day. There, There is just a, it's still work. Just taking care of those kids is still work. You, you know, especially if they're, if they're toddlers, you got to be on top of them all the time. You don't have a chance to, to go take a break in the bathroom. You got to go into the bathroom with purpose and get back out, you know, because, you know, a two-year-old, they're here one minute and you turn around and they're gone. You know what I'm saying? So, so doing the dishes, giving your wife a break and that kind of stuff, allowing her to catch her breath, allowing her to have an adult conversation, um, is going to be one of those ways where she can finally kind of take a deep breath for the first time that day, you know, especially, again, if you have small children. Um, and, and, again, it, it's not a formula. The, the formula is to love them, to, to have that intimacy, and, and then the sex will follow. Can I talk about sex a little, can I talk about sex a little bit more? <laughs> Um, only because I know. I've talked to enough women. I know. 
I know that it's an issue, that there's an issue in the bedroom and needs aren't being met and there are things that happen there that need to be fixed and, um, and it just causes frustration. So, um, so I'll try not to linger really long, but intimacy is the key. Our Father wants intimacy with us. That's how he builds relationship with us. Intimacy is not sex. It's not sexual. But it is knowing. It's being known. That's intimacy, is being known. And um, when you hear these couples share that sex is fleeting, it's like happiness. It's here for a minute. It's gone the next. You may not. What, what if? What if that is your relationship cannot be built on that? It's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful thing, and God created it. Yeah. And it feels good if you do it right. (laughs) Well, I'll say it's a lot easier for men to feel right about it than it is a woman. (laughs) That's in class number two. We won't talk about that tonight. That's when I get to speak. <laughs> Class two. Yeah, with minors in the room, but <laughs> but honestly, because in the church, sex is not something that we talk about. I used to joke around. My son's twenty-one now, but and he's not married. But I wanted to put together a book for him about sex intimacy because it isn't something that the church wants to talk about. And, um, and so many relationships have been impacted by pornography and fornication, you know, sex before marriage and, um, and sexual abuse in women's lives. Uh, and those things become very big in the bedroom. And so it's just a much bigger scope and issue than what can be covered in a class where you're given the top ten things. Um, but sex is not the end-all, be-all. You know, there are times it's going to be really wonderful, and there are times where it's not. And those seasons, just like it says, we submit our bodies to one another, and then we come into an agreement that right now that can't happen, but I can lay with you. I can still be connected to you, and I can be intimate. And and I think we all need to look at our spouse, and, and if sex is a huge thing to you, you probably do need to look at them and, and, and what would happen if that, if that could never happen again? Where would we be? Is that the only way that I make connection with that person in my life? Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> well, we won't record I know that. that. <laughs> yeah, they're recording. <laughs> As far as when I was sick and as Brian has experienced, we've been friends for a very, very long, very long time. And the intimacy was so precious that I wish, I don't wish bad on anyone, but I also wish you could experience that. Then you could have a wonderful life with your partner um, because you learn what's important. And uh, sometimes we're a little hard-headed and we, we take a while, but uh, I promise you, I'm speaking for Brian. Also, we both know what it. We both know the difference, and and God has been great to us and gave us a second chance. So, so. Okay, so Brian, I think this is yours. Already? <laughs> yeah, it's time. It's time. <laughs> 
feel like we lingered there a while, so. Why, why he's getting his words, you know, and that, that is so true. The church didn't talk like that. And when I grew up, then, you know, I always thought sex was bad. So it took a lot of years for me to realize sex was not bad. I didn't know that sex was a gift of marriage. You know, I thought it was always, ooh, that's bad. So if you liked it that much, ooh, something must be wrong. No, serious. And until I got saved, so that's in this, you know, until I got saved, I didn't realize that was a gift from God. I'm like, yeah, you, you guys need to, yes, have sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Encouraging couples, yes. Man, you have been encouraging. <laughs> I feel like doing a load of wash. <laughs> All right. Jealousy. Before we get real serious. Jealousy. Uh, I probably better read what it says in the Bible first. Get me lined up too, so. Anger is cruel. And fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? That's what happened to our marriage, is jealousy. Jealousy killed our relationship. One of the things, I mean, there's a lot more to that than just that, but... Where was I? Jealousy. Like I had a busy schedule here. <laughs> but honestly, jealousy killed our marriage. I accused her behind the scenes so when it finally caught up to her where she was mad at me for accusing her or whatever, it, it was stupid stuff too, I mean. But when she would go off, everybody else thought she is nuts. You know, they'd say, well, what's wrong with her? I, I have no clue, you know. But I'd say these things to her behind her back. And it made her look bad. So I can see where she says 16 years of real rough marriage. Real rough. It pushed it to the point that Okay, here's where it gets real. Bless you, Lord. Well, 
he accused me all the time. And then I got a job. Well, you know, when you work in a shop, if anybody's worked in a shop, <laughs> things get nuts. I'm just, <laughs> it's just crazy. So a guy paid attention to me. And my husband's always accusing me and telling me that I'm having an affair. Oh, okay. So then I started saying yes. So I had an affair, not sure how long. But finally, just one day, his accusations came, and I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm gone. And he begged me to stay. But I, I was so done. But he... He cried and said, no, please just give me a week, give me a week. And she agreed to give me one week. Now, if everybody knows, even back then, everybody knows that you can't just call a doctor and get in in a week. So I prayed about it first. I, I really did. I've, I've always had... Well, since I was six, I got saved when I was six. So I've, I've always had a lopsided relationship with God. So I knew who to go to. I didn't really know what to say. Well, for four days, I slept on the couch, lived in the living room, phone book on the floor, phone in the floor, and every day I'd get up and go through that phone book and call and call. Can I get in? When's the soonest? Like six weeks, eight weeks. You know, no, I need help now. You don't understand. I need it now. Down to the last day. I get up the last day and I, sa I said, Lord, you know, that beautiful thing that you told me was mine, I broke. I need it. I need help fixing it. Because I can't fix it. And I, I just laid there on my stomach, face down. I just kept praying. He said, all you have to do is open your eyes. It's right there. So I opened my eyes. Well, now I've spent four days in the phone book. And I have exhausted, I thought, all of it. So I'm sitting on the last page, and he told me to open my eyes, and I'm looking, and then the next page is a whole ad. So I called her. Oh, yeah, you can come in tomorrow. So that's what saved our marriage is just me falling down. I had nowhere, nowhere else to go, and she was leaving. The next day, that was it. So... He got us in just in time to stop that part. But through the counseling, I think I think we had three sessions is all that we had. <laughs> three sessions, yeah. Now tell me that ain't God. We were talking today, and I said, you know, the only thing I can remember about that, because it was a Christian lady, 
And she said, you have unforgiveness towards your dad. Like, you're mad at your dad, but you're mad at what he does. You don't hate him. It was like, I don't. Once I realized I did not hate my dad because she went to the root, and she went to the root quick. And I, I was like, oh, no, I don't hate my dad. I just hate, I thought I hated him, but I hated everything he stood for. And when she brought that, you know, realization, it, it was life-changing. But then he, he didn't do the jealousy thing and accuse me every time someone looked the way. A random car would go by. And you know how people wave once in a while? You know him? No, I don't know him. <laughs> and then I bought a Jeep later in life, and everybody... <laughs> But when I think back, because I'm going to share this too. When I think back, my husband showed me Jesus before I met him. I cried over this other man, and my husband held me in his arms while he knew I was crying over another man. He showed me Jesus when I never even knew who he was. Well, then I'll share what I got this morning, too. I said, my husband has loved me perfectly. And you say, well, how can he do that? If you look at David, God said David was a man after his own heart. Yeah, after God's own heart. My husband has loved me that way in the good, bad, and the ugly. I mean, he truly has. When I think about it, I mean, he's been way better to me. I've, I've been selfish, and he's been way better to me than I have been to him. You have a chance tonight. You know, in all, in, in all transparency, I, I appreciate you being vulnerable and, and sharing that with, with this group here. Um, you know, we, we, we might not be facing a situation like that today, um, or maybe we are, I don't know. Um, but, um, but I think it's in, it's in these moments and, and really what we're trying to do here. Um, obviously, some of you are, are married and in relationship, and this might be good for you right now. Um, others of you might be looking for your future spouse, and, and this is kind of laying a foundation for you, um, uh, you know, and, and maybe even setting up some boundaries, right? If, it, if they don't have this mindset, then, then it's, you know, we're just not compatible, right? Um, and, and it's moments like that that I think can make a huge impact on somebody's life, you know, and, and really show that they're, they're there, there is recovery. Redeeming from those better there than is redeeming. Yeah, yeah, better than good. before. Yeah. Because when he 
restores, it's better than the former. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and we really celebrated when we passed 16 because we had 16 years out. So when we had 16 more years of good, we're like, amen. We made it. <laughs> awesome. But thank you guys for, for being vulnerable. All right. The, the next one we have here, um, I think we're down to number seven. It says love them. Um, and in this one, we, we've got a couple scriptures here. The first one's in Genesis one twenty seven. And so that one said, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, so one of the things that's, that's foundational, not only to relationships in a marriage, but honestly, as, as we as Christians, and I'll, I'll put it at that level, look out into this world um, full of people that have issues, is that they are also image bearers of God. Now, they may not realize it, they may not recognize it, they may not care about it, but we need to look at them and recognize that they're image bearers of God, is that God has knitted, to, knitted them together in their mother's womb and allowed them to come into this earth and allow life to be breathed into their lungs and, and for the purpose of worshiping him. And this world has a way of twisting and... Uh, uh, warping that purpose. Um, and, and the world says, you know, you need to look out after me, myself, and I. Right? You need to look out for number one, do your own thing. You know, you need to have the best clothes and this brand and all that stuff, right? Um, and people get lost in that, and they get lost in the world. They get lost trying to pursue some happiness that's unachievable because that mark is ever moving in our society, right? If, if you're for, forever going to pursue the latest trend, the latest fashion, you're never going to catch it. It's always going to be a step ahead of you. It's always going to be just outside your grasp, no matter how successful you are. Um, we won't get into it, but, but the thought comes to mind. Of, think about all of these really wealthy, successful business people that lose themselves and end up on the on the front page of the newspaper where they've killed themselves because they can't find happiness in it, right? And here they are successful by all business and financial rights, and they just can't find themselves in it. Happiness is not going to be found there. Happiness is going to be found in recognizing and understanding who you are and what your true identity is, and that identity comes from heaven, okay? As it relates to our spouse, we need to look at them as children of God. And this kind of gets back to, the, to some of the scriptures that we started with, where we have to recognize that that person that we have devoted and promised our life to is also one that, that is in every part human, has every shortcoming, has every conflict, has every challenge and temptation that we would face. And we need to look at them and say, how can I help them recognize their true identity, wash them in the word, and bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so we, we have to learn to, to love them despite all of their shortcomings, to love them because God has a plan and a purpose for their life, and we get to have the opportunity and privilege to walk along beside them, to be back-to-back -back with them to make sure that they're not easily overtaken. Um, and I feel like I'm rewinding back to that first scripture, but I don't know where else to go with that. But 
but we have got to, to recognize their value despite the circumstances, despite what, what uh, emotion and opinion might come out in the moment. And we've got to somehow look through all that. And, um, and it, just like we would, we would bring anyone in here that has an issue, right? You bring uh, someone here who's, who struggles with, with an addiction, um, you know, whatever. Whatever that might be, we would bring them in here. And what are the, what's the number one, I won't say number one, but what are, what's one of the things we're going to say? You're not created for this purpose. Your purpose is greater than this. You're just stuck in this. God is calling you to a new place. He's calling you higher. He has a greater purpose for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. It's interesting that that's plural, but we won't talk about that tonight. Um, because I, I think God has multiple plans for us. And, um, and where were we the other night? Oh, maybe that was Daryl and I that were talking. But somehow, you know, in this life, I think God gives us choices. And, and while we're being interviewed like this way, he, he's going, what, what, what's your choice? Okay. You know, now let, me, let me move this and move this and I'll fix this because you've made a choice, right? Um, and God, you know, has a way of just lining up our paths for us. Um, but for your spouse, for your future spouse, for your loved one, you've got to look at them and, and you've got to look past the opinions and the attitudes and the emotions that they may have in a moment and see that they are a child of God. They are his image bearer, and we've got to learn to love them until they can realize and recognize that that, that image that they're carrying is a reflection of God. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, I just wanted to share, uh, over the past few months, the Lord has been speaking to me about loving my husband. Um, I was not very good at that for a long time. Um, but he would tell me to love him for who he is going to be in him and not who he currently is. That's good. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. That's good. I mean, that, if, that needs to be on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> um, but if we, can, if we can look that out and call that purpose and, and, and identity out of someone, even though, again, they may not recognize it in that moment, but if we can look at them and call them up to, to that place, I think that would be tremendous help in our relationship with them. Um, the, the last thing I'll say here um, on this one, is, and, and I didn't capture here, but it come to mind. <clears throat> if you think about man and women and how they're created, and I think this is a beautiful picture, is that God creates man, causes man to go to sleep, takes a part of man, and creates woman. In taking part of man, man is now incomplete. He's missing a piece. And who has that but the woman? And so there's this beautiful picture of how woman now completes man. And the great thing about it is he took a piece of man and made something greater in woman. He built the rest of woman off of this piece. And so now when the two come together, both the man and the woman are now complete, but it's only when they are together that they are complete. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God is so good. Amen. All right. Uh, next one, number eight. Remember, never forget. I was just going to 
I was actually going to see if we could just lump together our last two, number nine, into pursuit, and then you guys can just lump yours together if that's okay. Um, because I think pursuit really lines up with love them because those are so significant. You know, and sometimes we can look at ourselves and think, well, I, I, I. If your sentences are filled with I, 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 you need to reconsider your sentence structure <laughs> because um, that's not found in the definition of there's no I in love. There's no I in that. And, uh, and I can't help but think about stories in Scripture. And Hosea, when we were thinking about pursuit, you know, earlier Wade said to continue to date and make time for you guys saying make time for each other. That's all part of pursuit. And, you know, Christ is always in pursuit of us. He's always in pursuit. And without him, we are, our righteousness is as filthy rags. I mean, outside of him, there's nothing good about us. He is what brings us righteousness. And, uh, and his redeeming, it is redeeming love. And uh, we see that play out in our relationship through forgiveness for one another and making allowances for each other's shortcomings. And uh, I cannot help but think about the story of Hosea when I think about pursuit. And if you've not read that story in the Bible, you really should. It's a beautiful story where Hosea, God tells him to marry a prostitute. He says, go and marry her. That was his command. And as you read that story, you can see Jesus in that. As if Jesus were Hosea and we are the, the bride. We are Gomer. And over and over, she stepped out on him and betrayed him. At one point, he went and bought her back. Bought her back because she had been purchased by someone else. And he bought her back and continued to pursue her when she was choosing other lovers, when she was choosing other things before him. God kept telling him to go after her, to go after her. And that is true pursuit. And I think that it can reflect our own relationship with Christ. Just when you get a little bit too much I in there, in those sentences, just begin to wash it in love. Because there is no I in love. And much like Hosea, that pursuit of her, of Gomer, ended up winning. It won. It won. And, you know, we are all, I can look at Wade and I can think about all the things I don't like about him today. <laughs> There's just so few. Um <laughs> But, you know, uh, and I, uh, our story is not completely different than your, there was betrayal in our marriage um, early, early on in our marriage. And that's the story we never share with anybody. We never share it. It's, it's way back in our past. It's not something that we talk about very often at all. But it, but it is a story of God's redemption. And, uh. And so to look at someone, don't judge what you see here and not know the story that they've walked out. And so sometimes we're like, but you don't know when someone comes to give. You don't know. You don't know what it's like. No, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know my story. And you just see what you see now. 
But you don't know where I've been and the things that I've walked through and where God has brought us from and the dirtiness and the filthiness that had to come out of my life or had to come out of Wade's life or the amount of time that we had to spend dying to self and continuing to do that to have what, what God has created here. And outside of him, that threefold cord not being easily broken, outside of him, this would not work. It would not. But I, I, there are a few promises, and I don't know if you have any of those over your relationship with, uh, with your spouse and even as you go forward. But there are just some words that, that I just stand on, you know. And, and words are extremely powerful. And if you have a hard time holding your tongue, you need to find another outlet for releasing that tongue. And don't unleash that thing on your spouse. Words are extremely powerful. And we, we talk about that a, a lot uh, as far as their prophetic nature um, because that's how God created the earth. And we need to be so careful about the things that we declare, that we speak over um, ourselves and over our spouse, over our children, over our families. We, have, we need to guard our tongue. Scripture says, who can tame the tongue? It's not saying that that's an excuse then for us to not tame it, but we need to be aware of that. And so I think just kind of bringing that back around into pursuit is don't, for lack of a better word, become holier than thou, so busy looking at the other person um, that you're not allowing God to do the work that he needs to do on the inside of you. And to me, that goes back to me allowing Wade the time he needs with God, just as him allowing me that time. And, uh, and he will, love will burst a heart right open. If your spouse is in a hard time, they're in a season where it's hard to love them, just love them harder. You just lean into that. And you watch, you watch God burst their heart wide open. And you may not even know how. But if you'll, if you'll just ask God to guide you and, and show me, Lord, I don't know how. I wasn't raised in a loving home. I didn't have love. I don't know what love even looks like. Just allow him to give you a download of what that is. One of the things that Kim and Brian, y'all shared this. I hope it's okay. I'm good at outing people, so here we go. <laughs> and she used these for. Forgiveness yeah, later. forgiveness later. That's the last point. Number 10, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> but Kim, you know, she told Brian when they got married, she said, I'm not, this is it. We're not getting divorced. So you just need to deal with yourself. No, <laughs> I feel like this is something Kim would say. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but this is it. We're in this. Thick or thin, we're in this together. And I'm not, so you just... Fix it, you know, deal with yourself, and let's deal with us, and let's grow together. Let's grow together, and let's do this. And don't always be looking for an out. You know, um, marriage is, is a beautiful thing when the season is going well, but there are stormy seasons where it's not beautiful and easy. It's just not. It's kind of that whole theory of uh, mountaintop experiences. When you look at a mountain, there's usually a peak up there. It's not big and wide and open like a meadow. And so our mountaintop experiences in our relationship with God, in our own life, things that are going on, are short. And we can sometimes end up spending a lot of time in the valley. And uh, is that where he wants us to reside? It isn't. He wants us. We know this from this morning. I have to say this because I've 
He wants us to ascend the mountain. He wants us to live in the higher places. But you have to make up your mind that that's what it is. One of the promises that I stand on with Wade is that I truly believe that God created him for me. So thank God I found him young because I think it was good I got off the market when I was young. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but it's probably a good thing. And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> I just believe that God created him for me. And so when I want to kill him, anybody ever been there? You want to like, I could just kill him right now. And, and I start using all those I words like, I can't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Then I just remember that's my promise. God created him for me. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Today's not a good day. Um, but it will be. It will be good. And this is just a moment in time. I'm not going to lose my head over this one moment, you know, where he won't act right. <laughs> that is usually what it is. <laughs> it's because they're not doing what we want them. All right. It usually is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Women are particular, particularly relational. It is part of who we are. We are looking for connection. And unless we have been really wounded and hurt and their healing needs to take place in those areas, we are looking for connection and relationship. And that's what we want. That's what we want. We're simple, really. Y'all just think we're complex. <laughs> So anyway, all that, I'm just going to say, um, just like Hosea, they're worth the pursuit. They're worth the pursuit. They're worth the pursuit. Continue to pursue. Okay, I'm going to go with the forgiveness for mine. Uh, to go back to, I didn't want to do this twice, but to go back to when Karen said that I was, I would hold her. Hmm. It's been so long since I said it. I would hold her knowing that she wanted to be somewhere else. Well, God, I, when I asked God to help me fix it, he told me this, this is where you're going to learn to fix it. He says, you're going to have to forgive her like I forgave you. But remember that you're only going to have to forgive her once because when you do, forget it. Throw it back and never look on it again. So that's basically what I did is, and it's a hard, it, oh, it's, it's hard to do, but then when you look at him doing it for you and you doing it to him daily, you break his heart daily and he forgives you. So it's better 
It's a lot better when you get through those parts. It's definitely better. And that is one thing. We never brought it back up. We never held it over each other's head. Well, no, to share, but I really no, felt that he wanted us to share this. Because yes, this isn't something you just want to go and tell everybody. I'm sorry, you just don't. But if you know that it's going to help someone and realize God is faithful. I mean, come on. And I say, if he can do it for us, he can do it for anyone. So no matter what you're struggling with, yours might. But even though it might, you might think, oh, that's minor compared to mine, it is still major in your life. It is a major thing because it's about your relationship. So we just share this to encourage you that God is faithful and he will answer. I mean, when Brian was sick, they're, they're mean. They hurt. You had to remind yourself daily, hourly sometimes, he's hurting. He's hurting. And so what I would do is I would just say, Lord, that one got my heart. That was big. That was big. You're going to have to heal this one real quick because I'm going to let go of it right away. I'm not going to bed with this because I did enough years of taking it to bed and letting it grow. And that is nobody wins. Today in Sunday school, we're talking about, I said, when you beat your sister or your brother up, I said, what happens at the end? Nobody wins. You get a butt whooping. Right. Who wants one? <laughs> Who wants one? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm like no that doesn't win so we need we all have Holy Spirit we're all Christians in here right we all have Holy Spirit he is there to help us comfort us when we've been hurt but he's even calling me higher because he wants us to ascend to the mountain so he's like he's gonna get me to a place that I won't even have to say heal my heart because it's just gonna roll right off and I'm not there yet but I can't wait because that's what I want I want it just to flow right off. So I just encourage you just to press into him. If you're having an issue, take it to him. He's faithful. I mean, even in my selfish moment that he's sick, and I, I just want to touch, Lord. You touch me, you know, and Brian reached his hand over and touched. Come on, he's faithful. We have not because we ask not. Okay, well, um, it is getting late. We did want to uh, open this up for, for questions um, and allow you guys, if you, if you have a particular question um, on your heart, something that's come up tonight, um, just give you the opportunity to ask that question, um, and, and we'll do our best to, to give you an answer. Um, So uh, I, I did, there was one scripture that, that I looked at earlier that, um, that I think I have in the notes here, and I, and I didn't, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, um, but it's in 1 Peter 3, 7. Um, and this is, uh, I'll just read the whole thing, but it's really the last piece of that um, that, that I was kind of quickening my spirit here at the end. Um, but it says, uh, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wives with understanding as you would, uh, as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's equal partner in God's gift of new life. And I think that's where I stopped before. 
Um, but there is another, another portion of that scripture, and it says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Um, and so there's, there's something there that, that, um, that apparently somebody needs to hear, um, that when you get out of that relationship with your wife, when you get that relationship strained in that, um, it says your prayers are hindered. And, and, and without digging into it deeper, I, I think what that's saying is that um, you are not able to pray rightly, right, when you have that offense between the two of you. Because the, the alternate definition is God ain't listening. Right? So, 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 so either God ain't listening, he's waiting for you all to get this right before you get this right, right? Get your relationship, horizontal relationship right before you, you come back in your vertical relationship. Or he's saying that, that that offense that you carry from whatever happened in the moment, whatever that baggage is, will keep you and your mind occupied. And honestly, that, that's what happens, right? You get to, to fuming and stew, uh, stewing on something that happened, and then you go and try to pray. Right? That thing is, is nothing but a distraction. And then you pray, Lord, fix her, when what really needs to happen is, Lord, fix me. Fix my heart. Right? So, um, you mean fixing her don't work? Not all the time. Not all the time. Um, but, but I think it's important there, and it's maybe one of those practical things. Um, and again, we're we're not perfect at this, but but you know we we said a long time ago, and in, in kind of recovering from some argument or something that we 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 agreed that we would never go to bed angry at each other, that we would make time to talk about it before we went to bed, and we're not perfect at that. We still have times when we do that, um, but with all that, you just carry that baggage into the next day, right? You need to have a clear mind. You need to be able to think rationally. Um, you're not going to have a, a knockdown drag out and then immediately come back and be able to talk rationally about it. Um, I, I know for me, um, I, I've got to, I've got to have time to process what just happened and what was said and and all of that. And and usually, um, you know, I have to come back and I can say, you know, I, I said always and I said you and um, and and I said never. And, and all of these things, which, if I'm honest, don't apply, right? There, those are three lies in there, you know, that, that, that I said um, just because I was frustrated and angry and, you know, again, didn't bridle my tongue and it got away from me. So, um, <laughs> so anyways, with all that, um, I would encourage you all that if you have a disagreement, if you have some kind of... Um, argument or whatever, again, give your, your, your spouse time to process, okay? Um, I, I know people and have talked to people that um, would get into an argument at the store and one of them wants to fix it right there in the middle of the store um, and, the, and the other one needs time to process. And, and it, is, it is a scene all the way out to the door, to the car, and all the way home. Um, <laughs> Because, because much like you need to know um, your uh, spouse's love language, you also need to recognize how they deal with issues and they deal with conflict. 
and um, much like I can go get on the tractor and I can, you know, think about anything but the, the situation I'm going through, but it gives me time to kind of diffuse and process what just what happened so I can come back in with a clear mind um, and apologize. Well, since you br brought up arguing, <laughs> I, I, honestly, it, it's a process of understanding your spouse, and we are going to get to questions, but there, it, it's not even things, we're not going to agree on everything. But both people have value in their opinions, and, and they have, you know, a right to be heard. And, um, and so in our situation, Wade is a processor. He needs to process out. And sometimes it takes too long for me <laughs> because I am not that way. I'm very sensitive to things that, that are in the spirit or hanging in the air, and I need to fix it now because it messes me up like it just messes me up. And so if you're a processor, so we've just had to learn. Like, I'm like, let's talk about this now. Let's deal with this. Let's get over. I'm even that way with y'all. Most of you that know if I have something, there's something going on. I'm going to be like, let's talk about this. Let's work it out. It's not because I'm confrontational, but it's because I need things to be right. And I'm not right until it's right. And so I just need us to work through it, even if it's hard and that kind of thing. But Wade, he does. He has to process. And so that can become even an issue in and of itself is me giving him the space to process and then, and then me not being able to talk it out. And so um, here's the thing is that just like I have to respect his need to process, he has to respect my need to then talk it out. And so he's got to be willing to come back. Because he might be fine in 30 minutes on the tractor, but I'm still feeling everything that I was feeling in that moment. And I'm waiting. And so if he does not come back, then I'm feeling devalued. You know, like he doesn't care enough to come back and talk to me about it. I, but over the years as we've matured and grown... <laughs> You know, and recognizing that and knowing that if I'll give him a minute to process, then he won't be as likely to say those never, always, and you statements if I'll just give him a minute. You know, I mean, just being transparent and real. And if, if he feels like I've, you know, I've pushed far enough and we just, he needs to walk away and I have to allow him to do that. And, but it is learning to even walk away in a, in a way that says, hey, I understand we need to talk about this, but I need to go process and not just storm out and you know that kind of thing too so I mean there's a, just a way to handle it and so um, so just as important as it is for me to to give him the, the space that he needs to process it's also important that he then be willing to have the conversation that I that I need to have you know um, at some later point um, because I can't brush it under the rug um, and, uh, so, and some people are avoiders, anybody married to an avoider? So they want to avoid conflict and then it builds up and builds up and then it builds up. And then before you know it, it explodes all over you. And you're like, where did that come from? Right. <laughs> and it's this whole big mushroom of issue, um, that then needs to be sorted through. And so even if you are an avoider, I would encourage you to not avoid for extended amounts of time to start working on those little foxes, the little things that pop up so that they don't become a bigger issue because that's where offense and bitterness and unforgiveness can start setting in. So let's ask some questions. Y'all got any? Does anybody want to stand up and do the hokey pokey really quick? Yes, ma'am. Katie. 
Uh oh. No. No. Use the opportunity when it's good to talk about how to deal with it when it's bad. Like when you guys are in a good place, be able to talk about okay, next fight because they're gonna happen. How can how do you? <laughs> what are you laughing about? Excuse us. <laughs> but be able to be like okay. So in your scenario, because you already put out your business and I won't put out ours, but. Um, be like, okay, when we're good, have this conversation. Wade can say, okay, if we're in a moment, I need, I will tell you I'm leaving and I will be back. And Becky can say like, okay, but you can only get, I, I can give you a half hour or I, if it's really bad, I'll give you an hour. I mean, don't put it, to, I mean, don't actually assign a time, but talk about it when it's good. So when it is bad, you can already, you know, yes. Let's see, we can learn from the young too. She gave me wise advice. She said, you should have a ball or something because it gets so overwhelming because every child wants to talk. They can only talk if they have the ball. And that came from Katie. I was like, that's amazing. So now Karen carries a ball around in her purse. Which I do have it here because I, I didn't want him to tear it up while I wasn't in there. Yes, because I said I was going to bring it on our trip because I tend to talk too much. So. <laughs> I've got, uh, okay. Okay. I've got, uh, two, two, two questions for, uh, Pastor Wade, Miss Beck, and Brian, and Karen. Okay, the first question is, what did you guys do when you get angry and upset with each other? And, and second of all, have you guys ever been so upset with each other that you thought about divorce? No. <laughs> Not after our first situation. No. And I don't Well, that's two words I don't want to hear again. And what do we do when we're mad? We just walk away and then we'll come back. I think that's how we we just give each other time. And I like her sensitivity, but I haven't ever been like that. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's good because, you know, I say forgive quickly because we don't, because sometimes some of us that stew, then we tend to stew the opposite way. So I think that's good to, like, say where Katie is and say, we need to say how we're going to handle the next fight. You know, how are we going to handle this in a better way than we have in the past? I, th I think that's awesome. I don't, uh, I don't, that's an interesting question because I don't look at marriage as being disposable. Um, so I don't think divorce is really ever a thought. Are there times where I think, man, I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. There have been seasons where I'm like, God, you need to do something. And, you know, we need a breakthrough. Um, but not as far as divorce. I, I think for us, we look at it as more of a kingdom perspective that God brought us together for a, gr a much greater reason than what we fully understand. And uh, that's, I think that comes with maturity. And so I, um, I, I'm not looking for an easy way out. 
And I like kind of what Kim said, we just take it off the table. You know, divorce is just not something we're going to do. I'm not going to treat you in a way that would, that would become something that's necessary. As far as if you're looking for a particular reaction, I think, I think we pretty well explained how it goes down in our house. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I probably, like Wade said, am quicker to be like that. Uh, one of the things, a term that we have, that we remind each other of is we're on the same team. And so sometimes you just have to say it, and that other person may not like it in the moment, but, but it's true. We're not at odds with each other. We're on the same team. We're, you know, we're in this together. And so I, I'm not, but I'm not a yeller. I don't, I'm not that kind of person. So doesn't mean that I don't feel things or, but it's not very loud in our house. We're not really, <laughs> we're, we're not like that, so. So, uh, oh. sorry. Um, I, I will just say that, that I, I guess as we're talking here, um, one, when we get into an argument, it's usually a verbal argument, and, and the eyes and the nevers and the use come out and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it, it's... You know, you just you just hurt with your words, um, and uh, and obviously it's very emotionally charged, and um, you know, and then for me, and and I think I can say for us, when when we come back together and we go back to look at it, it's like um, I don't even know why we were arguing over that is so little, mm-hmm. um, b- because it's it's something in the moment that um, you know it's a combination of of maybe being tired. Um, you know, maybe not uh, eating well, um, you know, having a long, hard day, whatever it is, right? And so you, you get all of these kind of combinations of, uh, of things that, that make you just physically not uh, feel well, and then the enemy comes in and just pokes you, right? Um, and, you, and you're like an inflated balloon, and it just pops, right? Um, because I, I honestly, and, and maybe this is a, it's a bit of a gift and a curse at the same time, but, but the Lord has blessed me with forgetfulness. Um, I didn't know that was a blessing. Wow. It, it, it That's is. awesome. It is. It's awesome. Uh, because the, the cool thing is, is that it's hard for me to, to hold a grudge because I don't remember what we argue about. Um, and that's I do not, agree with it. I, I, I do tell him that. At least I don't remember most of the time that I'm mad. One day I woke up and I said, I'm mad at him. And I go, that's absolutely stupid. You don't even know why. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so to, to, the, to the other piece, the, the divorce side of it, um, I would say probably when we, when we first got married and, and uh, for me, being immature, um, both, both as a, a person, um, you know, because I, I thought I knew more than I did. I mean, we were 20 years old when we got married um, and just, you know, th- thought love was going to carry us through and, and all that stuff and, and not realizing that, that life is going to bring challenges. Um, and and we, we, we just thought that we were going to hold it all together and then one of those moments comes where that balloon gets popped um, and we fuss and we argue and that kind of stuff. And I would say probably when I was younger... I would have entertained the idea of, of divorce. But um, I have uh, matured well past that. Now, now let me say that, that it, it never 
we've never had a time when it was seriously considered as far as I know. Um, so, so I don't want to say that. Had we had a knockdown, drag out, whatever early on, yeah, maybe. But, um, but we never have got to the point where, where that was ever considered. And, and I think, you know, I've matured in my understanding of, of marriage. I've matured in uh, my spirit man has grown up quite a bit. Um, and I just look at it differently. I just really look at it differently. And I can look at the kind of this Hosea and Gomer thing, um, and I can see, I can see the church, um, you know, being Gomer, and I can see Christ pursuing us, and and paying for us all the time, over and over again. I think Brian said that, um, you know, we we have a tendency to um, not hold seriously um, our relationship with Christ. We we tend to take, we can tend to take it casually. I think there's times when we, we take it seriously and it's very important to us. And I think there's other times when, when we treat it casually. And, and we can have, fall into that same trap with our relationships, both with our, our spouse, our coworkers, loved ones, whatever, um, where we don't take that relationship as seriously as we ought to. Um, so to answer your question, would I, would I consider it now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and, and I think, you know, our relationships have matured to the point where I, I think we, we've learned to fight fair. Um, we've learned um, how to respond to one another. That's not to say we, we don't argue and we don't fight. We do. Um, but um, we also don't allow it to um, build up and build up and build up and pop, and it's a big thing. Um, and we, we fuss over little things. We fuss over aggravations and those hard days and things hit us wrong and all that stuff. Um, but we've learned to apologize and move on through those things. Yes, George. Not so much question, but <clears throat> I just want to touch on uh, mostly from the men's side of the situation. Uh, marriage is work. You know, we all know marriage is work. And uh, when you're going through hard times and you are going to go through hard times, uh, you know, if you look next to you and you're here with a wife or your, your significant other, you're sitting next to your best friend, most likely. And uh, if you and your best friend are not seeing eye to eye or y'all are not having an agreement, you need to have somebody else that you can talk to. And with that being said, when there is somebody there that you can talk to, you need to reach out to them because the situations can end up so much more different if you do. And uh, I'm just here to tell y'all that everybody I see sitting here at these tables, you know, they, they, they love, you know, and just, just don't put up a wall. Us as men, you know, me being, you know, alpha, whatever I am, you know, most men we walk with our with our heads high, our chest bowed out. You know, we we want to, our presence known when we walk in the room. Whenever you're going through something with your wife, your best friend, or your husband, uh, you know, reach out to that person that's trying to get a hold of you, that's trying to touch base with you, and say, "Hey, man, you know, I, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but you know." They just want to pray with you, you know. They just want to show you some love. 
and uh, answer that phone call. Call them back because, you know, it, it'll help change your marriage. It'll help change your life. And uh, we talked a lot about repent this morning at service. And uh, something that I'm, that I'm going to start doing most definitely is repenting and repenting with my wife whenever we we're fighting or are upset, you know, I'm just going to stop and say, babe, you know, we're, look at us. Let's just ask for forgiveness, you know. Let's repent right now together and uh, move forward in our marriage. But main thing I wanted to say is that, you know, use that support group. Uh, when you go through hard times in your marriage, reach out and uh, just take advantage of the people that love you and that are around you because if you don't, it's going to be a very, very, very hot fire that you walk through. Amen. Because the enemy wants to deceive us. And I always wanted to keep mine secret. And so when you keep it secret, it's in the dark. And when you bring it to light, then God has the opportunity to repair it, to do whatever he needs to do. But we, we can't keep it private. Like you said, you just, you can't. And if you have a support team, then use it. Use it. Right, or take sides, because that, that's not going to bring nothing to light. <laughs> no, but it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Let's be, let's be honest here. When it first came out, no, I was mad. I didn't want your situation to be brought to light. Everybody don't need to know their business. I was mad because why? It was deep-rooted to what I had been through. You know, you tried to hide it, and I was like, no, Brian, you're right. No, we want to bring this to light. We want to bring awareness so that we can come undergird you, lift you up, and help you in your time of need. I think the the thing is the enemy works in isolation, and um, and he wants to isolate us, mm -hmm. and and his goal is to make us feel like we're the only one. Mm -hmm. No one's ever been there. No one's gonna understand. They're gonna judge me. Blah blah blah. All mm -hmm. that stuff, and really, um, and I, I learned this from the guys when they came back from a, a men's conference um, one time. Is really we need to insulate ourselves with good, mature, spiritual people that are going to pull us up out of the miry clay and not going to let us live down there in the muck and mire. But they're going to challenge it. We're not going to like it sometimes because we know who the people are. If we want to get somebody on our side, um, on the boat with us, we know who that person is that we can call and they'll get fired up and we'll get fired up and, you know. But we, what we really need is someone that's going to be like, speak truth to us. And be like, hey, hold on just a minute. Let's just look at this and see what the enemy is trying to. Because our battle is not with flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. Our battle is with powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. That's what we're dealing with. It's mm -hmm. not my issue with Wade. It's the enemy trying to distort truth and cause offense and issue between us. Because we have yet to understand the power mm -hmm. of what happens in this covenant relationship. There's no greater covenant than a blood covenant, and that's what marriage is. It is of the highest caliber, like Jesus, like his blood covenant. That's what marriage is. 
And uh, I will say for those of you that argue, and um, it's really hard to not have a disagreement in front of your kids all the time. And so that's why how you argue is really important. Um, and as much as them seeing you argue, they need to see you apologize and repent to one another. They need to see that full circle because they're, they're going to run into situations where they're going to have arguments and they need to know how to reconcile and come back together. Yeah. So anybody else other than those that have asked questions that have another question or comment or statement before we... So, um, so just kind of, I guess, what you guys were just talking about, the spiritual warfare that has just been kind of lighted up into, I guess, my life and understanding of what he's trying to get to us, is we, when we talk about like that, that spiritual warfare and the, and, the, and the principalities and strongholds on us, um, kind of what he showed me through kind of my support team, our support team, so to speak, is uh, I remember one time we all went to each other's houses. And where we knew there was an issue, we prayed over it as a group. Like, we went into my daughter's room. And then I remember it was like a month later it came back or something. And I went up there to my daughter's room. She wasn't there. <laughs> and I went up there and I said, whatever's up here, you need to get out. And my wife's in the kitchen probably thinking I'm a crazy man. <laughs> but I said, and you need to get out. And matter of fact, I'll walk you out. And I went downstairs, opened the front door, and I go, and you can shut the door on the way out. And I didn't even get back to the kitchen, and the door slammed. And Katie goes, and I'm like, I'm done playing this game anymore. And with that, what this is the main thing I want to add, is when that light gets revealed, it's not even a war. It's already been taken. The war is against us believing that it's effective of what the keys that he gave us. It's no longer a fight. It's not even a warfare as, as much as we think it is because of what we've been trained up to think what war is. Um, you know, I like how, you know, Becky, you, you are, you're very upfront. Uh, when you feel tension, you call it out. And that, that's just understanding, and we all need to get there to that understanding when, when things start trying to divide us. I mean, that's the biggest thing I've heard tonight is we're on the same team. So when something's trying to divide us, that's not our hearts. Never our hearts. We love each other. I can even go as far as we love each other in here. So if it even comes against any of us, all you have to do is take authority of that, of what you've been given, and go to that person as offensive as it can be sometimes. You know, he, he called it, told us to walk in meekness, not weakness, you know. It's not weak. So. Okay. Okay. This um, question is for... Um, four of you uh one if i do you could uh go go back when you are first first got, got married what is one thing you what is one thing you guys would have done differently and and um 
best way and Brian best way did you ever see yourself or imagine yourself marrying someone like Miss Becky and and Brian did you ever, did you ever imagine or see yourself marrying someone like Miss Karen So, so the answer to that question uh, as to whether I ever saw myself marrying someone like Becky, uh, no, I married up. Um, so no doubt there. Um, as far as what I would tell myself if I could go back to uh, my 20-year-old self and, and give myself advice, um, I think what I would say here today um, would be read your Bible. Um, but, but you tell a 20-year-old to read their Bible, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but, but really, I would say for me, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's good advice. Just pray together. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, praying together would be the thing that I would say. And, um, and because we're all Christians, if you're single and you get into a relationship, if they're not willing to pray for you and um, pray with you, then reevaluate. I just think it's very important because I don't understand why it could be awkward sometime, but it is. But if you start doing that in the very beginning, it's not. It's not awkward. And, uh, and so that, that would be the thing that I would say is that we would have prayed together more early on if I did I think of seeing myself married to someone other than Karen no and that's a simple one because when I when I was saved at six I I, I was told that he gives you the desires of your heart. So me, I'm, I ask. I want to know what my wife looks like. So in fifth grade, he showed me. So in fifth grade, I asked her to marry me. That's why God only gives you little bits of things. <laughs> because sometimes you get carried away and get ahead of things. Right. <laughs> But he didn't even, he didn't, hadn't even met me. He seen me at a water fountain and told his best friend, he said, that's my wife. <laughs> my best friend asked me today, every, every time he sees me, you still married to that same woman? <laughs> yep. Well, we hope that this um, encouraged you, that it gave you some tools for your tool bag. That's really what Well You is about. It's discipleship. It's giving you some tools for your tool bag. And, um, and if, like Wade said, if you're not in, the, in this season of life yet, you most likely will be at some point. And honestly, there's so many. I, just take a look as married couples and at, even as single, you know, um, because these are people that you should can glean from they've walked the miles and they've done some hard work and and they have a story to share and there's not a, a single I can without a shadow of a doubt tell you there's not a person in this room that would not pray for you if you reached out to them and would honor that and would not spread your news all over the world um, but they would go to bat for you and that they would fight for you 
And, uh, and so I uh, count it an honor and a blessing. Um, and the years of marriage that we have in this room is incredible. And, uh, and I wanted to tell the couples that are here, thank you for doing the hard work, for not always taking the easy road, for not giving up when you could have, and, uh, and, and for sticking it out with each other and seeing the best. It t- that takes seeing the best in each other. It, it takes those opportunities where you just see the best in someone. And this too shall pass, right? <laughs> this too shall pass. Um, so, and, and yeah, so we'll just stop there. Um, and, I, you know, it, I would even say, and, and I know we're running long, um, so if y'all have to slip out, that's fine. But there are a lot of veteran couples in this room, and I think we would be remiss to not at least bless um, some of you younger couples, if you um, would like that or desire that, or even, I just would like to take an opportunity for us to just pray together um, and pour in. And even those of you that aren't there, I was just talking to Sophie the other day, and I and um, and I, I said, you know, do you have do you have a list? And are you praying about him? And there are seasons that Wade and I will go through that we'll pray about that future spouse of our children. Um, and so just because even if you're here and you're not married, um, it doesn't mean that this is not extremely valuable tonight and um, what you're taking in is important. So I guess I would just like to open up space for that. Um, if any of the couples would like prayer, I just would want us to do that. So anybody, we'll just stand up. Why don't we just stand up? It makes it easier. And I'm going to turn the mic off probably because we don't need to record this. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.